What's up, Red Rocks? We're here in Ludusha on the eastern side of Kigali in Rwanda, and we are at an actual well. I wanted to begin today's talk with this footage because we're going to look at a story where Jesus meets with a woman at a well, and I've been reading this story for years, and I've never had a picture like this. So one of the things we're going to do with the students from the Red Rocks Church youth group today is we're going to carry some water jugs up to some villages. Nate, our host at Hope Haven, this ministry that we're working with, he said, hey, when you go down to the well today, he said, I want you to notice some things. Notice the smiles. Listen, you can hear clapping right now, kids playing, people laughing. We've seen people hugging and high-fiving, and there's all this amazing community that's happening right here at this well. And as I've been watching it, it hit me like, that's the one redemptive thing that's happening right now. because. This is hard work, no doubt about it. But they get community, because after this, they go up into their houses in these villages, and these women live in isolation. Not here, not in the mornings. This is where they get community, and friendship, and hugs, and laughter, and people who believe in them, and they share stories, and they share life. And this story that we're looking at today in the Bible, where Jesus meets with a woman at a well, she misses out on all that. Because as we're going to talk about today, she goes at noon, the hottest part of the day, when no one else will be around. She goes for the hard work, but she misses out on all the community. She misses out on it because she doesn't think she deserves it. She feels so much guilt, so much shame, so much regret for the things that have happened in her life, for the way that she has been living, for the way she is living, that she thinks, I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to have people believe in me. I don't deserve to have people love me. I definitely don't deserve God in my life. And as we're going to see today, Jesus steps into her world and says, that couldn't be farther from the truth. You do, you do deserve people in your life. You do deserve to be believed in and loved. And you do deserve God and all he has for you and his love. And that's what we're going to look at today. Welcome to Red Rocks Church. Well, hello. You guys, feel, you feeling good? You sound good. I don't know what's going on at every other campus, but right here, they sound good. You look good, too. Tell your neighbors, say, you look good. Make them think you mean it. Hey, listen, if you're single and they're single, say, you look real good. You look real good. I make no apologies about trying to hook up to single people at this church. There's no better place to find your spouse than the local church. And the single people said, amen. amen. If I was single, I wouldn't miss a service. I'd be here for all five at Littleton this weekend if I was still single. I remember the first time I saw Jill in a service. We weren't dating, worshiping Jesus. I was like, oh, that is hot right there. And I, I was in the worship service. I'm like, oh, God, I know I'm supposed to be focusing on you, but right now I'm focusing on your creation. <laughs> and it is good. <laughs> we should read the Bible, huh? So welcome to Red Rocks Church. 
I wanted to start out today's talk with that video because I wanted you to see a well in action as we go to John chapter 4 and read about a woman at a well. So if you have a Bible, flip open to John chapter 4, and that's where we're going to start today, all right? John 4, verses 3 through 10. This is Jesus. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. That's the phrase we're going to look at today. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now, if you've been around church for very long at all, you may have heard this passage, maybe read it, maybe multiple times. Um, there's a lot going on in that one passage. In fact, I was thinking this week, we could spend a month or months talking about just this passage. And what we read is just the beginning of the passage. There's a lot going on in this story. But as I've already said today, I want to focus on that one phrase. And, and let me say it right. It was about noon. See, what I realized when I was in Kigali at a well last week, nobody goes to the well at noon. Nobody. That's the hottest part of the day. And as you saw in the video, <clears throat> it's hard work. You're not going to make it harder by going at noon. You're going to go in the morning when it's cooler. And, and something that, and, and I've sort of gathered that before from this text, but one thing I could have never understood until seeing it, until being on the side of that hill and watching it play out. These women come down this real steep hill, down to this well with their children in the mornings, and the kids have little jugs, and the kids help bring water up to the house. But see, right next to the well where we were at, in certain places in Rwanda, there are some rare opportunities like Hope Haven, this amazing ministry that uh, provides an opportunity for some of these local kids to go to school. Well, if you're taking your kids down to the well to help you bring up water, you got to get that done early so the kid can get in school. So see, it's got to happen in the morning. You don't go get water at noon. We went in the morning and we were sweating through our clothes. Like, it's, it's no joke. In fact, would you put that picture up of me and Ashton? There's me and Ashton right there. We, the, the goal was, and I was with my whole family, but someone just happened to have a camera when I was standing next to Ash. The goal was, is we were going to help, and I say that with quotations, we were going to help some of these ladies carry water up to their villages, and so the whole goal was to go down to this well and say, look, we love you. God loves you. We just want to serve you today. Can we just help? And, and, and I thought that was a really noble thing to do until I picked up the first jug of water. <laughs> it was like 50 pounds. 
And, and so me and Eric Parks and our buddy Chris Foth, all three of us were there with our families because we were checking out. We have multiple ministries that we work with in Rwanda. And later this year, I'm going to share a whole bunch of photos and video and talk to you about those ministries. But the three of us were, were carrying these huge, heavy jugs of water up this crazy steep hill. And like halfway up, I'm just like, I just gave up. I just put it, I was like, <sighs> and, the, and the other two guys were doing the same thing. And I turned around and the ladies that we were helping, they were smiling, but I guarantee as soon as I turned back around, they were just like, dear Lord, please help the Americans to hurry up or help us less because I got things to do. <laughs> In fact, at one point, Parks' son, Harry, was carrying a little bitty mini bottle for one of the Rwandan children, and, and they walk by, and, and he's just struggling with this little jug of water, and, and the little Rwandan boys look at Eric, and they pointed at Harry, and they're like, weakness. <laughs> just weakness. And I was like, yep, yeah, that applies here, too. This is no joke. <laughs> Yet, this girl... In John chapter 4, she goes to the well at noon during the hottest part of the day. And as I realized, in Kigali, nobody does that. And so you start asking questions like, well, why? Right? Why? Why is she going to the well at noon? And it's this, because she's dealing with something that almost all of us, I bet you at certain times, would have to admit, yeah, I've dealt with that too. She goes to the well at noon because she feels unworthy. I'm not worthy to be around God's people. I'm not worthy to experience God myself. I'm not worthy because look at my life. Look what I've done. See, if you keep reading this story, she's had five divorces and she's currently living with a sixth man who's not her husband. And this was unheard of. She was unclean. She would be an outcast. And she knew it. Nobody had to tell her that she was living in sin. She knew it. Nobody had to try to make her feel guilty. She felt it. She felt so much guilt and so much shame because of what she's been through and what she's done and what's been done to her and what she's allowed and what she hasn't allowed. She feels so bad about who she is that she goes, I can't go in the morning when everybody else goes. Because what if, what if they see me coming and they start whispering, hey, psst, look who's coming. What, what, what if they point? What if they judge what if they put their arm around their kids and they go, uh-uh, no, 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 no. Let her go. Let her go by herself. Don't go down there while she's down there. And what if that brings up so many emotions because she already feels guilty and she already feels shamed and she's already embarrassed of what she's been through and she's already embarrassed of the things that she finds herself dealing with now. What if the idea of that shame is just more than she could handle so she says, you know what? I'm not going in the morning when everybody else goes. I'll go at noon because at least then I'll be by myself. And I never saw, until I saw it, I realized, I said it in the video, I've been reading this passage of scripture for years. It's one of my favorite passages of scripture. And I've never actually been at a well watching women and children come to it in the morning to get water, to go back home, to survive. I've never seen it. And so for the first time, I saw 
in person what this woman in John 4 was sacrificing to go at noon. I saw in person what she was disqualifying herself from to go at noon. That's her only shot at community. And look, we all crave that. Because after, after the well experience, they're going to all go back up to different villages and different parts of this hill, and they're going to live in absolute poverty, and life is very difficult. This is the one shot in the mornings at the well with the other women. This is the one shot at community, at talking to somebody, at being loved, at being cared for. Because you know that's what she craves. We see it in the pattern of her life. She wants to be loved, yet she sacrifices all this community. Down at the well, that's where the hugs happen. That, that's where you get to share life, and I'll share my story, and you share your story, and I'll support you, and you support me, and there's laughter, and the kids get to play. She misses out on all of that because she thinks, I'm just not worthy. I'm not worthy to be with God's people, and I'm not worthy to experience God's power. That's where she's at. And the truth is, is we experience that at times in our lives today. I don't know about you, but this is one of my bigger struggles, I think, in my walk with God, is feeling worthy. Worthy to be with his people. Worthy to be in his church. Worthy to be a part of it. Worthy to be loved by him. Worthy to be used by him. Worthy to be called. And I don't know why, but sometimes we just struggle with this stuff. And that's where she's at. And maybe you know what it's like because what happens is, is we know more than anybody else what we've been through, what we've done, what our mistakes look like. Right? I know my sin. I know my doubt. I know my problems. I know my, right? We know. So sometimes it's so hard for us to feel worthy enough just to be around the people of God or to, to pursue God at all or to have a call on our lives from Him. We think I'm not worthy. I know people who watch our services online, who have listened to podcasts online, but don't want to actually come to a campus because just like that woman, here's what they think. What if... What if I go there and they see right through me and they judge and they whisper and they stare and say, you know what? I'll just go to church at home. Maybe some of you are watching this or listening to this from some other state. You don't even go to this church, but there are really good local churches in your area. And the truth is you stay at home and watch church because you're afraid to actually go because what if you're not welcome there? This is real, isn't it? I talked to a, a friend recently. Uh, our families have been friends since before the two of us were even born. And we were talking the other day, and, and he said, he, and we haven't talked in years, and he's like, let me get this straight. You're a pastor? And I was like, I know, right? Crazy. I, I, you think that's crazy? You should meet Chad. He said, you know, I got to get to Colorado sometime and, and come see your church. I said, bro, I would love that. I would love to have you come visit. And he said this. He goes, yeah, if I walk through those doors, I'll probably catch on fire. <laughs> and he started laughing, and we were laughing. But you know how a lot of times there's a lot of truth behind jokes? And see, the truth is, is I, I know how he feels because I felt it. And the truth is, he thinks, 
if God's real and if his presence could change my life, I want that. But man, I won't fit in at a church. I can't go to, I don't deserve to be around. I could never be like that. I could never be good like that. You don't know what I've been in. You don't know some of the stuff I've tried to hide. You don't know some of the things I think and feel. And people feel unworthy to come to a local church and Red Rocks Church, shame on us. If we ever give anybody that impression, if we ever give anybody anything but the impression that they are loved and welcomed and accepted when they come through these doors at this church. Maybe, maybe you're actually here right now at one of our locations, and the truth is, Somebody invited you and they broke you down and you finally came or, or deep down inside you really know like I need God but I don't know how to make that happen and so you showed up. I know what it feels like to visit a church and look around and go, if they knew, if these people knew what's going on in here, I don't know that they'd want me here. If these people knew I don't even know if I believe this stuff. If these people knew the stuff I've been through, if these people knew the stuff I'm into, I don't even know if I'd be welcomed here. And let me just say to every single one of you, whether you've been coming for a long time or you're visiting for the first time today, at this church, you are loved, you are welcomed, you are accepted, and you are worthy to be here. And we're glad you're here. And I tell you why, it's simple, because we just realized that we're all sinners saved by grace. Without Jesus and what he's done for us, we're all sunk. Ephesians 2.8 says this, for it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, which means you don't have to earn what Jesus has done for you in the same way I didn't have to earn, thank God, I didn't have to earn what he's done for me. Jesus Christ died on a cross to pay the price for all of our sins. Not just some of us, not just the ones who started coming here first. He died on a cross to pay the price for all of our sins so that every single one of us can be redeemed and renewed and restored and forgiven and set free and given heaven forever. And that applies to you as much as it does anybody else. So you're welcome at this church. And we're glad you're here. But I know what it feels like to go, man, I'm just not, I'm not worthy to be around the people of God. I know there's people in this church family that won't get into a life group, won't get on a serving team, won't get on a sports team. Even though deep down you crave that kind of community, you need that kind of community because you think if I get in there and I get in a small group, then they're really gonna know. And I'm just not worthy. Sometimes we feel like I'm not worthy to experience the power of God. And here's what I mean. We go through really tough times because every single one of us do, right? It's a broken world. We're broken people. We go through tough times. We desperately need the God of the universe to get involved. But the truth is, we don't even feel like we have the right to ask. We don't even feel like we have the right to ask. And if we do, if we throw up a Hail Mary prayer, we, in our heart, put us on a polygraph, we don't believe that he'll actually do something for someone like us. Because I'm just not spiritual enough, right? I'm not good. And yeah, you play those testimonies at church where God did crazy things in people's lives, but, you know, I probably don't deserve that. 
this woman in, in John chapter 4, I guarantee you the last thing she expected that day. She went to a well at noon to avoid being around anybody and, and feeling completely unworthy in life. I, get, I bet the last thing she ever expected was to have the God of the universe step into her life and care about who she was and what she was going through and actually change something. She didn't expect that to happen, but read the story. God changed her life so drastically that it changed an entire city. But I bet you she didn't expect for it to happen because she didn't feel worthy to even be around people, more or less God, or experience his presence, his power, his intervention. And the truth is, sometimes we feel the same thing. We realize, like, I'm hurting. I'm heartbroken. I'm, I'm sick. I'm, I'm depressed. I'm scared, I'm lonely. Someone in my family is hurting or sick. I need a miracle. I've got financial problems that I don't know how they're gonna turn out. I need a miracle. I got some relational stuff going on right now. I don't know how it's ever gonna work. I need a miracle, but the truth is we don't feel worthy enough to go to God for it. We don't feel worthy enough to actually be the person that God would do a miracle for because we're so aware of our shortcomings. And I bet you if we could talk to this woman today, she'd be like, that's what I thought. That's how I felt. I just knew all my problems. I knew how unworthy I was. I knew I didn't deserve God to do something in my life. And then Jesus showed up. And then I had this crazy, unexpected encounter with Jesus, and it changed everything. And that's available for us whether you have already put your faith in Jesus, whether you're about to today, whether you did 50 years ago, 100 years ago. This applies to all of us. We can encounter Jesus today and expect him to do huge things in our life. That's the God we serve. And I think if we could talk to this woman, she'd say, you know what I learned that day from Jesus? I am worthy. I am worthy. I didn't think I was. I am. I am worthy of God. I am worthy of his presence. I am worthy of his power. I am worthy of his miraculous intervention in my life. Not because I deserved it, because he made me worthy. That's why I'm worthy. Paul said this, 2 Thessalonians 1, 11 and 12. We constantly pray for you that, listen, our God may make you worthy. Who makes you worthy? God makes you worthy. That's why you're worthy. We constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power, not my power, not my might, not my goodness, not my deservedness, not because I've, no, 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 his power. By his power, he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness and that in, in your every deed prompted by faith. I think the woman at the well today would say, I'm not worthy because I deserved it. I'm worthy because he made me worthy, and so are you. And because you're worthy, you may not feel worthy. That does not define your worth. What someone has said about you doesn't define your worth. What has happened to you doesn't define your worth. What people thought about your potential doesn't define your worth. Your God defines your worth, and he made us worthy. And so because of that, 
We get to step to him with confidence. And I don't know what you're going through today. And I don't know where you're at. And some of you, you need, you desperately need God to get involved in your situation. But you just have felt so unworthy that you don't even feel like you have the right to ask him for it. Listen to this. This is for you. Hebrews 4.16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us when we're the most messed up in our time of need. You come to him anytime with anything and understand that you are worthy to do so. You are worthy to do life with the people of God and you are worthy to experience in your life the power of God. You're worthy because he makes us worthy. Sometimes we just need an encounter with Jesus to remind us. And I believe that's what's happening right now for some of you in this room, some of you watching or listening from somewhere else. Sometimes we just need an encounter with Jesus to be reminded of how valuable we are to him, how worthwhile we are to him, that he does love us, that he does have a plan for us, even when it doesn't look that way. And I was reminded of that last week in Rwanda. Jill and I met up with an old friend at our hotel, a friend of ours. Go ahead and put that picture up if you would. Uh, in case you're listening and can't see the picture, that's me and Jill and Terry and Tina. They came, they drove four hours. They live in a village near the border of Congo. And they drove four hours to our hotel and met us in Kigali. And oh, what a story they have. And my prayer all week has been that God would use their testimony to speak to you about your life right now. Revelations 12 says two things defeat the power of Satan in our lives. The blood of Jesus Christ and the power of our testimony. And I believe that this couple's testimony is going to speak to some of you. Terry, who you saw in that picture, his name's actually way cooler. And when he says it, it sounds awesome. And I tried to say it like five times. And he goes, bro, call me Terry. Terry lived through the genocide in Rwanda. If you don't know about it, you need to look it up and read about it. It's unbelievable what happened. But he's been through it. At seven years old, he was the only person holding his mom's hand when she passed away. And then he watched her take her, his mom's body, throw it on a truck on a pile of dead bodies and feed her to vultures. Like he watched it at seven. Watched his father die. He's a miracle, Terry is, and he's been through it. And the way him and Tina met, it's so cool. He ended up getting partnered with her in Rwanda as a translator. And, and the language of love took over. And uh, it's just a great story. But Terry, you're a stud. I know you're going to be watching this from Rwanda. I love you, man. I'm so proud of you. God is using him to change the world. Tina, we've been friends. Me and Jill have been friends with Tina almost as long as we've been married. Me and Jill have been married 18 years. 17 years ago, Tina was in our life group in Rockford, Illinois. And when Tina showed up, she was the shyest, most like just quiet and meek and want to hide. And, and when she would talk to you, she would, she, would, she would barely make eye contact. And I couldn't figure it out. See, what I didn't know is Tina had been through it. What I, I didn't know what was going on at her home. I didn't know what had been going on at her home since she was a little kid. I'm going to stay a little bit unspecific here for a moment to provide her with a little bit of privacy. 
because she has been so gracious in allowing her story to be shared with all of you today. But there's a man in her family that started sexually abusing her at age six. And that happened consistently all growing up. At age 15, see this is crazy, I have a 14 year old son. At age 15, by the time she hit 15, a little 15 year old girl, she had been being raped for almost 10 straight years and impregnated by a man in her family and forced to have abortions. I can't fathom what this girl's been through. You think she's a little shy? Think she feels unworthy? Think she might have trouble making eye contact? Yeah, because she's been through stuff that honestly I can barely fathom. It, it, it's painful to even say. And then Tina went on a missions trip. She went on a missions trip to Rwanda. And she went to an orphanage. And she saw a bunch of children that had been orphaned. And she felt like God spoke to her. God said, Tina, I put that dream inside of you to be a mom for a reason. Look at all these children who need a mom. And she knew it. She felt called by God. And with some faith that most of us can't hardly fathom, she came back home, sold everything she owned, and bought a one-way ticket to Rwanda. And went to an orphanage and said, who needs me? She said, God, I don't know why I've been through all this stuff that I've been through. But you know what? I just declare it today. From this point on, I'm yours. Use my life to make a difference. And in that orphanage, she met Yuara. Would you put that picture up? That's Yuara and her boyfriend, Constantine. Yuara, this was, these, all these pictures are from our hotel when we had dinner in Rwanda last week. And Yuara doesn't know exactly how old she was because she was abandoned during the genocide. And so when Tina found her in this orphanage, she said, I won't abandon you. You come be in my family. And she adopted Yuara. And Yuara is amazing. Put up that next picture. <laughs> These are my kids and two more of her kids. And I'll just assume you can tell which kids are from Littleton, Colorado. <laughs> and which ones are from Rwanda. The girl there with the headband on, that's Rebecca. And uh, Rebecca's parents abused her and pushed her out. And Tina saw her and she said, I'll never hurt you. You come be in my family. She adopted Rebecca. And that little boy, Moses, oh, what a story. What an amazing little boy. Tina found, found Moses in a box, in a cardboard box in a trash dump. His parents had put him in a box and threw him away. And when Tina was going by, she heard a baby crying. And, and she said when they found Moses, it was raining. And so the, the water was piling up in the box faster than it was draining. And so this little baby just had his mouth right above the water screaming for help. 
Tina said, when I rescued him, I named him Moses because it means I drew him from the water. We're sitting at dinner and I'm just like, I'm like you are right now. I'm blown away. I'm like, Tina, I can't fathom what you've been through. She said, oh, Sean, God is so good. She said, it was five years ago that I said, God, I don't know why it's all happened, but I'm yours. She said, in five years, I have a husband who loves me. I have three amazing children. Her oldest daughter just had a baby. She said, I'm also a grandma. Yuara named her daughter Karen, because that's Tina's middle name. And in Rwanda, you name your children after your mama. And she now runs a ministry with her husband, Terry, feeding children who have no food. She said, Sean, it's only been five years. I have a husband, three kids, a granddaughter, and a life-changing ministry. Our God is good. (laughs) I don't know what you're going through right now, but I can tell you this. There's not a life on this planet that our God can't turn around. There's not a situation on this planet that our God can't intervene and flip upside down and do miracles in. So don't you lose hope. I know doing this and talking about Tina and her ministry, we're going to get flooded with emails like, what's her ministry and how do I read about it? How do I find out about it? How do I help? How do I support it? So I'm going to put this up on screen real quick. It's called Hope for Tomorrow. And that's the website right there. And go, go read about what they're doing, what they're accomplishing. I challenge you, go support what they're doing. They need it and they're making a difference. They're changing the world. We were sitting at dinner and Tina said, she said, you know, I've always dreamed about being a mom, but because of my abuse, my insides were ruined. I can't have children. Yet I always had this dream. And she said, since I've been here in Rwanda, God gave me a verse. Psalm 113, 9. He gives the barren woman a home, making her the joyous mother of children. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Is that crazy? This week I said, Jill, would you text Tina? I can't stop thinking about her story. Would you text Tina? And would you ask her if I could share her story with our church family? And so Jill texted Tina, and here's the text that she got back. So this morning, I was cooking breakfast. As I was cooking breakfast, Uera was on my phone and said, Mom, you have a message from Jill. Can I read it? And as she did, and it got to the part about Sean, she goes, You're going to say yes, right, Mom? Because it's a miracle. And they want people to know God can do big miracles. And I had to smile at the whole situation. And in response to your question, yes, of course, I told the Lord years back that I will never turn down an opportunity to tell of what he has done. Because as you were said, I want people to know God can do big miracles. You tell Sean... I said, shout it from the rooftops. Tell the barren woman that the Lord can make a way. Tell the traumatized girl who hasn't found her voice that the Lord hears her silent cries. 
Tell the woman who thinks she can never trust a man that one day she might find herself with an anxiety attack, snuggling close to her husband and desiring his arms around her. A covering and protection she never knew possible. Tell them he can take a broke, he can take the broken pieces and make something beautiful. That he is right there. Right there in the hard places, the broken places. That when we don't know what to say or how to help, God is working, planting, and moving. That there, that where man says it's impossible, God can make a way, and it is sweeter than what we could ever force to happen in our ways or timing. It is so sweet. And Jill forwarded me that text, and all I could think about was Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power. That's it, work within us. Red Rocks Church, I don't know where you're at and I don't know what you're going through, but I know at times every single one of us struggles and every now and then part of our struggles, we just don't feel worthy. And I believe God wants to say to you today, you are worthy. You're worthy to be around the people of God. You're worthy to experience the presence of God and the power of God and the miraculous intervention of our Savior. You're worthy and he wants to meet with you today. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you that you are with us right now at every single location. I thank you that you are with those right now who are listening by themselves in a small group. I thank you that your presence is with us and you're speaking to us right now. And I pray, God, by the power of your son, Jesus Christ, that some people would be encouraged today, that some burdens would be lifted, that some, some chains would be loosed. That some souls will be set free today in the name of Jesus. Those who have felt for so long that they're unworthy, that for the first time, maybe right this second, they would just hear you calling to them and telling them how much you love them and how worthy they are. With everyone's eyes closed at every single location, let me ask a couple questions. First one is this. You're going through something and you need God's power to show up. And the truth is, even asking that, sometimes you feel unworthy. But today you say, okay, God, I'm worthy because Jesus makes me worthy and I need you to show up in my life. If that's you, raise your hand at every location. I'm going to say a prayer for you. Hands all over. The second question is this. You don't have a relationship with Jesus yet. And the truth is, you can feel it right now. He's calling you. He's calling you into a relationship with him right now. Just hearing that his son died on a cross to pay the price for your sins has done something in your heart. And you know, like, this is my moment. I need to turn away from my old life and I need to put my faith in Jesus today. If that's you right now, raise your hand. I'm gonna say a prayer for you as well. Raise them up high. Be proud. This is a crazy good decision. Best decision you've ever made. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. God, you knew exactly why you brought every single one of us to this moment. You know what we're going through. You know what we've been through. 
I pray for your miraculous intervention in our lives in the name of Jesus that whatever we're going through right now that it would just be part of our testimony later and we would get to look back and go look what God did and for everybody who raised their hand and said I want to start a relationship with you today I want to put my trust in you today God I thank you for the eternal lives that are being changed right now in the name of Jesus and I pray that as we begin to worship you with music that we would sense your presence in an unbelievable way it is our honor to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Red Rocks, at every location, will you stand up? Let's worship.